laughing a story, right? And raising a glass of apple juice because I only turned 21 recently um, and, and, and clinking that glass and, and sharing a story and in that moment recognizing that we are just human beings. Um, those are my favorite moments. Um, and if you're new to Christianity, if, you, if this faith thing you like haven't really walked amongst, um, I think a lot of us in here are today, um, Jesus loves stories. And when we see in the Gospels, in, in the records of Jesus' life and death, um, that he loves stories. Um, we, we see him teach through, through these things called parables where he tells a story and he's like, this is what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And then he tells a story and each character in the story is supposed to represent something. Um, and it's this, it's this beautiful thing that he did. Some of the, um, the more famous ones maybe you've heard of, Mark Twain called one of them um, the greatest story ever told. Anyone know what that one is? The, the parable of the prodigal son, right? The son runs away. He takes his estate from his father. Um, he ends up spending it on wild, wild living and ends up coming back. Um, there's another one that we actually have a law or like a, a kind of a category of laws that's named after. Anyone know what that one is? Good Samaritan. Yeah, twitchy. That was good, man. Um, so there, there's these famous parables that have kind of worked our way into our culture. Um, and if you've never spent time with the parables, man, I super, I highly recommend that. Um, this morning, I want to talk to you about, um, I'm going to call it my most favorite and my least favorite parable. Um, it's one that you maybe have heard before, maybe you haven't, um, but I, I want to share it with you, and not because I think that um, we're going to come upon some, you know, full theological dissertation about this text, um, but because this is a parable, this is a story that Jesus told that changed my life, um, and I think that's a lot more powerful than writing a theological dissertation, don't you? Um, this, this story changed my life. Um, it's changed the way that I see God. It's changed the way that um, I see life and faith and how life and faith go together. Um, so it's called the Parable of the Talents. If you want to open up um, in your Bibles or your phones or whatever, if not, I think it'll be on the screen. Um, but it's in Matthew chapter 25. Um, you can put that down for right now. I'm not going to read it for a minute. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, this, like I said, this is my most favorite and also my least favorite. I think you'll see why here in a minute. Um, but to, to kind of set the scene, so Jesus and his 12 disciples, um, the 12 guys that were the closest to him in his life, um, they, were, they were walking out of the temple in Jerusalem, this place where people worshipped, um, where people were, were spend the majority of their days. They're walking out, um, and as they walk out, Jesus makes a comment, as he usually does, um, and, and the disciples like, don't understand it at all. Um, and so they come to him. Later on, they come to him in private um, at this place called the Mount of Olives. It's this private place. Um, and he begins to teach to them through parables. Um, and, and in that, like, recognizing that, that if you call yourself a Jesus follower, that he is teaching this parable to you. If you said, I lay my life down, I surrender my life, death, and um, my future to Jesus, then, then he's telling this parable to you. Um, and man, maybe if you're, if you're not a Christian, if you're in a place where you, you would say, I don't, I don't know about this whole faith thing. I'm just here because someone dragged me here. I'm just, um, I'm just in a place where I'm kind of questioning. Um, man, you have an opportunity this morning in, in hearing Jesus tell this story um, to be a fly on the wall for an interaction that he's having with some of his closest followers. And when, when you're getting to know someone, when you're getting, you know, maybe even to try and date someone, what's one of the first things you do? you meet their family, right? You see those that are closest to them and you see the way that they interact and the way that they, they talk. Um, and so this morning, we get an opportunity to, to see him tell this story and it's not, a, it's not a pretty story. It's pretty controversial. 
Um, but it's good. I think we're going to learn a lot from it. So enough context for me. I want to read it for you. I'm going to read the whole story through, and then we'll, we'll go back and kind of unpack some things. And um, Yeah. Sound good? So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 25, um, verse 14 will be up on the screen. It says this, um, and I'm reading out of the uh, NIV this morning. Um, it's called the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold. I'll probably use those interchangeably, just so you know. Um, so this is what it says. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Uh, But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. And so then the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, um, you have entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, same, same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Put you in charge of many. Then the man who had received one bag of, coal, of gold came. Master, he said, and this is, this is kind of where we're going to camp tonight. We'll get there um, this morning, not tonight. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not gathered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would receive it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Woo! That's uplifting, right? Let's pray. Just kidding. Um, you kind of see what I'm talking about, right? I, I, sp- I remember I spent a long, um, a long time in my life really, really questioning this parable and, and questioning God's heart in it and, and why it was in the Bible in the first place and why it's even there um, and I want to challenge you this morning that it's easy to, to read uh, a story like this and, and at face value be like, I don't like this at all. Um, and I challenge you and I challenge myself this morning um, as we kind of unpack this and understand what's going on here to, to stay open. Um, that God might have something for you in this story that maybe you weren't expecting. Um, so the story starts out with the master going on a journey. Um, and... Um, in chapter 25, at the beginning of the, um, the chapter, it says, Jesus says that at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. So he's telling this story, um, carrying on into verse 14, to kind of set a tone of, of what he believes the ideal of what the kingdom of heaven should be like. Um, and Jesus said that a, this a lot in his life, by the way. He had always set the bar really high um, and then undergird it with grace and be like, you're going to fail, and it's okay. Um, so this parable, um, being about the kingdom of heaven, most scholars are in agreement that the master, like it or not, is meant to signify God. And that was what tripped me up um, back in the day when I had a hard time with this. That was what tripped me up. It was, 
I got so stuck on this last verse. And you can go ahead and take that verse down now to the next one. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, I got so hung up on this verse um, that I was like, man, what, why would God treat his servant that way? Um, why would that happen to him? Why, would he, why wouldn't he have more grace on him? Um, and we're going to get to that. Um, yeah. As I said before, you may have recognized that um, in, in some of the translations that there's um, the word talent, and then some of the translations there's the word bag of gold. And um, I was having a funny conversation with someone the other day about like the parable of the talents. And um, she was like, so in the parable of the talents, how come it doesn't tell what talents they have? Like kindness, nice, you know, joy. And um, it's not that kind of talent. Um, so it's kind of, and I like, I even realized that it's kind of confusing. So it's not the talent you're thinking of. Um, a talent in ancient times was a measurement of currency. It's from this Greek word tal- talantone. Um, and uh, the way that the people hearing it that day would have heard it is that it's like a measure of currency and it basically would roughly equal 20 years wages. Um, so talent was roughly 20 years wages. Um, so can you imagine getting 20 years wage in one chunk? And that, even that just kind of changed my, uh, my perspective on this parable of the, the, the one with five bags of gold with five talents gets this incredible sum, and so does the one with two. But even the one who gets one talent is given so much at one time and entrusted with so much. And, and I feel like maybe if you need to hear this this morning that um, you are so, 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 we, we can be so focused at times on the fact that other people have more than us that we miss out on what we already have um, and that we already have been given much, that God has already made us uniquely us, um, that he's already given us the gifts and the talents that are uniquely us, um, that he's already given us the family, like them or not, that is our family. Um, and I, 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 like, I look at this and I'm like, man, even beyond that, like little or small, God has a different idea of what more means. Um, it's, it's really easy, and, and I'll, I'll talk about this in my own story, but it's really easy to, to look at other people and, and think, man, I wish I had as much as them. And, and maybe that was what was going through the one with the servant who was given one talent. Maybe he was thinking, man, if I had five talents or if I had two talents, I could do so much better than I could, so I'm not even going to bother. Um, but the, God's idea of more is different than our idea of more. Um, yes, your talents, your gifts— who you are, is, it looks different. It, it might not be as, as much as someone else in worldly terms, but Jesus isn't of the world because he overcame the world. Um, you may feel like at times he is giving you pennies compared to what some people have, but we serve a God that uses pennies just as much, if not more, than he uses riches. Um, one of my favorite uh, Bible stories is in Luke 21, um, where Jesus is speaking and there's like an offering going on and there's all these rich people and poor people coming and they're, and they're dropping their money in the offering bucket and then this poor widow comes along and I imagine her in rags and, and um, very, very, you know, um, raggy appearance and she comes up and, and she drops just two copper coins into the bucket um, and Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, she has put in more than anyone else here. We serve a God that, that, operates in an upside-down kingdom where whatever you have, large or small, God wants to use it, and he recognizes that you're giving it. Um, so know that. Um, so the five and the two, uh, the servants who were given five and two bags, they come back, 
or once the master leaves, they, they go and they put their money to work. And, and the language here, it's this Greek verb ergo, and it suggests um, a work and a trading over time. So it's not like they went and you know, invested in high-risk stocks and got lucky. Um, they went and they, they worked um, the money. They, they started a business. They, um, they made wise investments. Um, and they were actively involved in the use of what the master had given them. And then there's the one-bagger, right? There's the guy who was given one bag. Um, and, and this part of the story is where, I know one bagger is kind of a funny way to put it. I'm going to try to not say that again. Um, <laughs> this, this, this part of the story is where things start to get a little hairy, um, where the plot changes and when it becomes less of a fun parable. Um, it says that he dug a hole and he hid his master's money. Um, and in our minds, we're like, man, wouldn't it have been just as easy to put it in the bank and then at least you would have gotten some interest? Well, not that much interest because you know how banks work, but um, wouldn't it have been easier to put it in the bank? But in ancient times, banks weren't nearly as safe as going off into the deserty areas that were around Israel and digging a hole and burying your money. So he literally did the safest possible thing that he could have done. Um, digging a hole was much safer than risking having corruption happen in the banks of that time. They just weren't as well regulated. It's a different time. Um, but the problem, and this is where the tension starts, right, is that the, the servant who was given one bag, one talent, he goes and he digs a hole and he buries it and it sits there. Nothing happens to it. It's not a seed. It doesn't grow. It just sits there. Um, and it's fascinating to me that Jesus includes the emphasis in this verse of um, that it's the master's money. He said he went and hid his master's money just to remind us that it was never the servants in the first place. And I think some of us can, can be that way too. Like when, when we go through life and we recognize um, the decisions we're making and why we're making them that, um, man, the gifts and the talents and the things that you've been given, they were never even yours in the first place. That God gave those to you because he loves you. Um, so after a long time, the master comes back, comes back to settle accounts. Um, and then, you know, the servant with five bags comes to the master and he says, um, master, you entrusted me with this. And here's what I did with it. And he gives him the 10 bags. Um, and the, the servant with two approaches the master in the same way. Um, and isn't it interesting that Jesus, in telling this story, he could have just had two servants, one good and one bad. Um, but he had three. There's one with five, one with two, and one with one. Um, and I think the point in that is to recognize that even though the servant with two, two talents was, um, wasn't given nearly as much as the one with five, he did basically the exact same thing. He went out and he worked the, f he worked the money. He, um, he took what his master had given him and he, he was actively involved in growing that. Um, I think it's to prove that, man, you don't have to have a lot to, to truly live the life that God has destined for you. Um, that's not how God works. Whether it's two bags or five bags, um, the point of having these two is to show that even when someone else has more, it's still possible for possible for us to be faithful with what we have been given. Um, and so to both of their servants, the master replies, well done, good and faithful servant, and now I will trust you with more. And God, and, and God says to us, well done, and now I want to trust you with more. Um, that's a different sermon for a different time, but um, just really quick, I just, there's this lie that I think we believe at times that, um, that like what God wants to give us in life, that there's like a cap on it. 
um, that where he wants to call us to and, and what he wants us to do with what he's given us, um, that there's like a cap on it that we need to, um, we need to draw it back and think realistically because, you know, the world's all about realism. Um, and God has way more for you than you will ever be aware of. Um, and I don't know how that, how that sits with you this morning, um, but recognize that in our human minds, we're not going to be able to recognize um, that he has a plan that is, we have no idea about. Um, that he has more for us um, that we have any idea about, even amidst um, the brokenness that is in this world. Um, he, has, he has more for your soul and for your heart. Um, he has more joy and he has more peace and, and love in relationships. Um, he designed us to indulge in the goodness that he has put here on earth, um, even amidst all the messed up stuff that's going on. Um, he loves you. He loves me. He loves us. Um, the five and the, the two, they settle their accounts, and, and then we come to kind of the crux of the story, the part that makes everybody cringe a little bit, the, the, the servant with one bag. Um, and, uh, and you can put that, that verse back up, verse 24, um, if, it's, if it's somewhere around there. Yep, right there, perfect. Um, and, and, and it's here at the response of the servant with one bag that I want to camp the rest of this morning um, because I believe there's a message in it for us. Um, and I want to share you, share with you how it's changed my life. I'm going to read verse 24 and verse 25 again. It says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. Here is what belongs to you. Um... I remember a time in college where I um, took a science class, and I was a theology major, so science was like, <laughs> hopefully I get a C. Um, and I had, it was just a general science class, super easy. We learned about like tornadoes and electricity, like literally imagine a third grade science class in a college environment. Not hard at all. Um, but I remember I took this class so not seriously. I walked in one day. I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. It was a snowy day, um, and I was sitting in my usual spot, and there was people around me. And um, you know when you like walk into a room and you just recognize something's different? You're like, something is off here. And so I sat down and I kind of, you know, started getting stuff out of my backpack. I was like looking at the wall. I was like trying to, I was like, did they paint in here? Like, are the chairs different? What is, and then I realized that it was like dead silent. I looked at the people next to me and everyone had their faces buried in their books and they were studying. Studying. There was a test that day and I had no idea. Um... And so it like took me a full moment to recognize what I had done. But I didn't want to accept it, you know? Because I think sometimes when we get backed into a corner like that, we don't want to accept that it's our fault because we think in our heads like, oh, well, maybe if, maybe there's a way around this, you know? So like my first thought was like, okay, the door is like 20 feet from me. I can sprint out and nobody will know I was here. And then like right as I thought that my teacher walked in or my professor walked in, I was like, dang it. Um, and so I start thinking, I'm like, okay, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Okay, um, maybe if I just hold it up against my head, it'll osmosis into my brain. No, that doesn't work. Um, okay, what am I going to do? And so I approach my professor, and in the most, oh, I, I still have nightmares about this because I think this professor still hates me. Um, I, I went up to her and I said, um, hey, uh, so I noticed on the board that, um, that you put this, there's a test today. And she was like, yep. I was like, well, 
I remember you telling me it was a private conversation. You told me that um, the test was going to be pushed to next week. Don't you, don't you remember that? Don't you remember that happening? And she just looks at me and said, nice try. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think the servant with one bag um, is so interesting because it's almost as if um, we got any conversational processors out there where like you start saying things and you realize what you're actually thinking. He's like saying it and he's like realizing how much it's his fault. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I knew that you're a hard man. Oh shoot, I am in the wrong here. Uh, and you can just you can just almost hear it. Um, and and it's easy when we get backed into a corner like that um, to place the blame somewhere else. Um, but God doesn't like that because He doesn't like to be taken the wrong way. Um, God is not a hard man. God does not harvest where he has not sown and gather where he has not scattered seed. And, and most of all, he does not call us to be afraid. Um, Christianity is a fighting religion. That was a quote by C.S. Lewis. Um, it's not one of fear. We're not called to live our lives in a place where we, um, where we are making the next decision on fear of what might happen and on fear of what has already happened. We're, we're called to live our lives courageously. Um, I was speaking with um, a mom who, uh, who lives here in Evergreen yesterday, um, and uh, we were sitting on our property, and this beautiful property in Evergreen, because every property in Evergreen is beautiful, um, and uh, we're sitting, we were sitting outside of her house, um, and it's in this incredible valley. There's a creek running by, long driveway, and I was like, man, like, tell me about when you guys moved here and everything, and she was kind of just laying out the property for me, and yeah, up there is this. We built, they actually built a chapel on their property, super cool, um, and, and she was kind of laying it out, and, and I couldn't help but marvel because they're such incredible people. I was like, man, I've, I've never met people like you that have so much but are so humble um, and are so kind and inviting, and they, they just invited me and many others into their home, and, um, and I remember she, she looked at me, and, and she said, you know, Rowan, I, I, I feel like we, we, you know, my husband and I in, in buying this house and in our careers, we, we could have gone about things in one of two ways. She said, we either could have recognized what we've been given or recognized what we haven't been given. Um, and I think all of us have fallen into a place in life at times, if we're really honest, I know I have. Um, we're way, way, way more focused on what we don't have than what we do. And I think the servant who had one, one bag of gold was way too focused on what he didn't have and, wait, yeah, way too focused on what he didn't have and not focused enough on what God had already given him, on what his master had already entrusted him with, with this, this incredible chunk of change, this incredible talent. Um, and the master wasn't angry because he knew that he would suffer financially. He was angry because the, one, the servant with one bag was afraid and operated in a place of scarcity rather than in a place of abundance. Um, God has infinite grace for you, for me, for us. But at the same time, grace does not condone irresponsibility. God loves us way too much for that. He loves us way too much to give any tolerance of us taking him the wrong way and seeing him in a way that isn't true to who he is. He has more for us than that. The master's reaction in the story isn't necessarily a representation of what God's reaction would be if he were to act as a servant did. It's a message. And it's a calling. That we are to take seriously the truth that to, um, to whom much is given, much is expected. And, and we have been given much. Um, I heard someone say the other day that, that we are a wealthy family here in Evergreen. 
and not in the way of, um, because Evergreen is a pretty rich community, not in the way of money, but in the way of our friendship um, and the fact that we get to live in Colorado. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from this guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Say that five times fast. Um, and uh, he was an incredible pastor. He died young um, in the Holocaust at a concentration camp. But um, he said this, being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. In other words, and if, if you remember one thing today, if you've been napping this whole time and, and you just woke up, um, good morning. Um, but if, if, if you remember one thing today, I want you to remember this. Following Jesus isn't about the perfection of your heart. It's about the direction. The servant with one bag wasn't, um, it, w- it wasn't in, in how well he used what the master had entrusted to him. It was in his motives. He was afraid. He took the master too harshly. He, he didn't trust the master. He was afraid of what might happen to him if he failed. But perfection's never the goal. God doesn't call us to a life of doing every little thing right and focusing on being moral, good, and true. No, 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 no. He's, it's way better than that. He, he directs our hearts toward him. And by no effort of ourselves, but only through the power of the cross, he gives us everything else follows. That's the progression. That's the way it should go. And the world tries to tell us differently, and the world tries to tell us that if you work hard enough, and if you look good enough, and if you get enough Botox, and if you do enough yoga classes, and if you're cool enough, and if you look the right way, and if you fit in right enough, that, um, that you'll see success. But that's not, that's not true. God calls us to way more than that. He directs our hearts towards him. He directs our hearts to operate out of a place of knowing we've already been given much. The battle's already won. That Jesus already died on a cross and rose three days later. Everything else is house money. That's how he calls us to operate. Um, and it can become so easy in life to focus on what we're doing wrong. But what if we started focusing on what God has already done right? Following Jesus is not about the perfection of your heart. It's about the direction. A friend of mine always says the stakes are high, but the pressure is off. Um, I want to uh, I want to close um, telling you a story because um, I, l- I love stories, and uh, not just any story. I want to I want to tell you a little bit about um, about my story. Um, I met Jesus in high school, and um, I was I was pretty insecure growing up. Um, nobody's fault. Um, just always been a pretty insecure kid. Um, always was comparing myself to my friends and um, feeling like I wasn't good enough, um, feeling like I wasn't funny enough or smart enough. Um, I can remember a time in like the fifth grade where I wore kind of a weird outfit to school. I was trying something new. I think it was like um, red sweatpants or something, like something pretty weird. Um, and I remember my friend coming up to me and going, dude, none of us like your outfit. Never wear it again. Um, and those kind of things stuck with me. When people would tell me I was wrong, even to this day, like when I get in fights with people and they tell me that I'm wrong, I have a really hard time taking it because I take it personally. Um, the insecurity can be a really, really crippling thing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I met Jesus in high school and, um, uh, you know, Josh was my young life leader. I'm sure a lot of you knew that already. Um, but I looked up at him so much that I decided not only was I going to dress like him, 
have hair like him and look like him, but I'm going to go to the same college and study the same thing. So I did. Um, I went to Colorado Christian University. I studied theology and um, man, like going to this Christian college around all these Christians who were smart and funny and wise and um, just had so much to offer. At least it seemed like. Um, I had a really hard time. Um, I found myself after I met Jesus not not getting better in my insecurity, but in some ways getting worse. Um, falling more into this place of wishing that I had more, feeling like I wasn't enough, wishing that I had done things differently in life, um, wishing that my personality was different than it was. Um, I want to read you briefly a uh, um, passage out of my journal. Hopefully I can read it. My handwriting is awful. But um, this is from May 15th, 2015, just just months before we, we launched CLC. Um, and it says this, um, life is tough right now. Every moment is a battle to take captive the next thought, to stop the next flow of negativity the devil might let in. I put a cuss word there so I can read that part. <laughs> Dwelling here is difficult as it is a place that gives me much anxiety and doubt and leaves little room uh, for laughter and joy. There we go. But truly, who is to blame? Surely not me. Did I choose this? (sighs) Did I choose to have a dad who doesn't care? Did I choose to have the issues I specifically have? Did I choose this? Of course not. Yet, it is my calling and my duty to fight for what God truly has for me. To fight for something better. To fight for Rowan. And to discover what that truly is. That is all I can do right now. Following Jesus is never about the perfection of your heart. That's a lie. It's about the direction. Um, and after God directed my heart towards him, things got a lot worse. And if you ever have seen a counselor, um, you, might, you might hear them say pretty early on, hey, just so you know, things are going to get worse before they get better. And you're like, oh, I want to say some words I can't say in church right now. Um, but when you're in that place of saying like I was, why, Lord, why did you only give me one bag why? Remember that God has given you way more than you realize. The biggest gift that God has given us is exactly who we are, exactly who you are, exactly who I am. Um, he's entrusted you with that. So what are you going to do with it? Are you going to spend your time wishing that you were more, that you had more, that you could do more? Or are you going to be thankful for who you are? Are you going to indulge in the goodness that God has already placed in your heart Are you going to focus on what you can't do or are you going to focus on what you can? Because at the end of the day when all is said and done, he wants to invite us into his happiness. He wants to party with us. But first, he wants us to recognize, he wants our our hearts to change and recognize that what he in his grace has already given us is freedom. You no longer have to be a slave um, to the lies that circle around in your head. So I just have two questions. I'd love to invite the band up whenever they're ready. 
um, just have two questions I want to ask you, and then I'm going to pray. Um, the first question is this. What have you been given? What do you have? What's unique to you? What's, what's, what are the things that God has placed in your heart that are, that are specifically you? And beyond that, where's your heart directed? Is it directed towards God or is it directed towards yourself? Is it directed towards having more, getting more? What have you been given and where is your heart directed? Would you pray with me? <sighs> yeah, Jesus, thank you so much for this morning and for, um, for who you are, for who you made us as. And that every, every single breath is a gift. Thank you for that. Yeah, Lord, I, I pray this morning um, that, that everyone in this room right now who, who, is, who is struggling with lies, who's struggling with comparison, who's struggling with um, feeling like they are not enough, Lord, that you would, you would remind them that you have given them exactly what they need. They are enough that you love the heck out of them. They are the apple of your eye. So yeah, Father, as we enter into worship, we ask that you would um, that you would you would bless our voices off key or on key. Lord, that, that our, our praise would be would be fun to you. That you would invite it. Father in heaven, thank you so so much for this morning for this family, and for the wealth that we share. You are good. In your precious name, amen. Why don't you guys stand up? Let's worship.